Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. Time to fight for your right to party. She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Thank you so much, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome as always. Hello there, my friends, and good day to you all. Welcome to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda. It's time now to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. Today is October the 12th. Let's take a look at what we will be covering today. We're going to follow up on a death hoax that made some headlines, more NFL fighting, some news about the upcoming Olympics, Britney's back in the news, one epic layoff, and more. Get comfy, everyone. Let's get started. Let's see what's happening in the world of music to start us off. The 14 or 16-year-old rapper and internet personality, Little Tay, has returned to the music scene as of last week with a music video for her wealth-flaunting new dance song, Sucker for Green. Yes, I know that was a little confusing. I have an opinion on that. Bear with me. But let's talk about why people actually care about her return. Background. Nearly two months ago, back on August the 9th, a message appeared on the Instagram account of Lil Tay announcing that she and her brother had succumbed to a sudden and tragic passing that was entirely unexpected. But the following day, things just got weird. According to TMZ, Lil Tay told the outlet that She and her brother were fine, and her Instagram had been hacked. The following month, a post on her Instagram account accused her own father of faking her death. Talk about some family drama. It's really odd. So, some background as to who is Little Tay. She rose to popularity back in, like, 2018, when she was allegedly nine years old, with viral videos of herself wearing Gucci belts, driving a Rolls Royce, yes, I know, speaking in a black scent and brawling with our other inner per- like personalities on the internet such as Bad Baby and Woe Vicky. Since initially rocketing to fame under the guidance of her half-brother Jason, she's kind of largely disappeared from social media, although several concerning incidents have brought her back to the public eye. June 2018, within months of her sudden explosion online, Her Instagram account was wiped. Suddenly, just in one single Instagram story posted that just said, help me. Well, that's kind of alarming, right? So then uh, there's this unidentified person posting on her Instagram account that was accusing Tay's father, Chris Hope, of abusing her while profiting from her career. Well, following the latest Instagram post, outlets were just, they couldn't verify her death with family members 
or with the police in Vancouver, Canada, where she grew up before moving to L.A. So the whole story just got super confusing. Was she dead? Was she not? No one's talking. So many accusations and hoaxes. No one knew who to believe or what to believe. And honestly, to be honest, okay, so nobody, okay, somebody knows her age, but in, as far as the general public, we don't know what her actual age is. Some people claim that she, she's 16, some are 14. I mean, if she was nine back in 2018, some do the math, that would make her 14 years old. But there was like a picture of her holding a passport with her age listed as 16. You know, it just got really weird. Who cares? The point is, she's underage. Her latest song expresses her love of money. She's dancing in this, these revealing outfits on the balcony of a mansion inside a garage full of luxury cars she's twerking the video is ending with little tay throwing cash in the air while standing alongside her mother angela and her older brother jason in the whole video because i did go watch it was just so uncomfortable thinking this is either a 14 or 16 year old girl she shouldn't be doing this and it just i don't know it just it screamed exploitation to me but anyway here's a small sample of her latest song money, money, money. Ever since Lil Tay has blasted all these media outlets for not verifying the story before going public. And I get that, but it really sounds like some of them tried to get the info and no one was talking, which to me is you know, kind of suspicious. I mean, if you want your privacy, that's fine. Great. Just say so. But yeah, so she's accusing her dad, Chris Hope, of doing this death hoax. And I, but me personally, okay, me personally. I wouldn't be surprised if her mom and her brother were behind it just to get her name back in the spotlight. She's been gone out of the spotlight for almost five years now. She disappears and poof, surprise, she's dead. Oh no, psych, she's fine. And hey, here's a brand new song and a video for you. I have a really hard time believing her. And after what I've read, all the reading that I did, I'm not fond of her mom and her brother, but I'm not part of the family, so there could be a lot of dynamics. I don't know, but just on the surface, I don't like what they're doing. They're coming across to me like they're just using her as a cash cow, but the cash cow's teeth started to run dry, so they had to do something shocking to get her going again. It just literally reeks of exploitation, but like I said, disclaimer, I'm not around the family to know what's really going on. It just publicly doesn't look good and trying to toss all of this onto her estranged father just seems like they're trying to blame him for what they're doing but we're going to make money off of her so hey watch our video right i don't know good luck to her i hope she's okay because like i said some of her her instagrams just they look really cry for help type of posts so I really hope that she is doing okay and that she really isn't being exploited and that this is really what she wants to do. Um, not really a big fan of her of her video. The, the song's catchy, but the video, just thinking of the idea that she's 14, 16 years old, dancing around like she was, talking about money, 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 this is what I want, give me all the money, is like this. It's just, hmm, I don't know. Just It's a little uncomfortable, but hey, you do you, boo. All right, sports fans, tell me what is up.
All right, you're going to have to bear with me just a little bit here because I'm kind of deep into baseball playoffs at the moment, but the NFL caught my attention once again. Violence again erupted back on October the 1st during a game between the Las Vegas Raiders and the LA Chargers. By the way, the Chargers won. There were actually several scuffles. The first of those melees saw a Raiders fan punched several times before being thrown down the stairs by a rival Charger. Now, footage of two other fights from the game are circulating online, including a pretty ugly one between two female Raiders supporters. There was a video that was shared back on Reddit, and one of the fans in question appears to be asking another female who had stood up in front of her to sit down and take her seat so she could see. That did not go over well, and they started unleashing slaps, and then it just escalated to full-on punches. The main scrap, though, appeared to involve two Raiders supporters once again, although fans of other teams could be seen exchanging punches and falling over seats as this row escalated. I'm not surprised it's the Raiders. They've got a bad reputation, let's be honest. The NFL has a very big growing problem with fan violence in stadiums, and it's starting to really spiral out of control. There has just been this alarming rise in fights at games in recent months, and we talked about this on a show last week where the New England Patriots fan Dale Mooney had died following an altercation. There was another violent brawl that broke out before a recent Thursday night football matchup between the, it was the San Francisco 49ers and the New York Giants. Like I said, Raider fans have a bad reputation for being aggressive and violent, so not really surprised, but the amount of fights I'm hearing about does. I'm honestly hearing more about the fights in the stands than the game on the field. It's really alarming to see the fact that I'm not seeing repercussions for the fighters. Are they getting out? I mean, they're getting out of hand, but are they getting kicked out? What needs to to happen to stop these fights? One of the fights was broken up by other spectators, and according to witnesses, there was no security in the vicinity at all. In my opinion, if this keeps up, this is really going to affect attendance at the games because as a parent, I'll be danged if I take my kid to an NFL game right now rather be at the baseball playoffs anyway. But still, I would be very concerned to go to a stadium where people are going to start fighting and security is not going to help me. I am hearing a couple of good things coming out of the NFL. I mean, we did hear about the triumphant return of DeMar Hamlin. For those that remember, might not remember this, Hamlin collapsed on the field back in January during a playoff game and had no pulse. Dude was essentially dead on the field. Went to the hospital, ICU, recovery. Eight months later, he's back in a Buffalo Bills uniform playing preseason ball. But didn't take his first step on the field in regular season until last week of week four. It was awesome to see him back because that collapse was so scary to watch. And seeing all the other players breaking down, scared of what was happening to him because it just came out of nowhere. So really happy to see Hamlin back on the field but I'm just really concerned this is getting really bad I'm seeing more and more headlines of fight 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 I have to go looking almost for the scores to see if you know who won what and what week we're in it's just it's an alarming trend and I don't know I'm I'm kind of confused about what's going on are they escalating in fights because the first ones of the season 
got away with it. I haven't heard of an arrest in the case of Mr. Mooney, so uh, that may I mean that may result in an arrest. Uh, as of right now, the prosecution's office said they're not pursuing any charges. So are the fans just like, hey, we can get away with it, so let's take out our frustration at our team being bad on these other people? I mean, one lady saying, hey, please sit down. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to see the game. Turns into a fist fight. Really? I common courtesy, man. Just, you know, don't block people's view. If you're getting excited, you say, hey, sorry, I, w- I was preoccupied. I was cheering my team. Yeah, I'll sit down. I'm sorry. All it would take. But no, we're, we're going to fist fight. We're going to slap fight. We're going to cat fight. We're going to throw people down the stairs and over the railings. I mean, what's next? I don't know. But you know what? I'll tell you what. Let's talk about something a little happier in the sports world. Ladies and gentlemen, guess who's back? Guess who's back? Back, 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 back back, back, back. Friend. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Okay, well, she's not shady, but our current gymnastic princess is back in competition. Simone Biles has made this absolutely amazing and triumphant return to the competitive gymnastics world and just in time to work towards making the U.S. Olympic team that's going to Paris in 2024. Fans remember, Biles actually competed back in the 2020 Olympics that took place in Tokyo in 2021. Remember, COVID delay of a year. She started having trouble completing her rotations, and she actually ended up pulling out of the competition in the middle of it, citing mental health issues. She went on to explain that she withdrew primarily due to experiencing a phenomenon called the twisties. It's a psychological phenomenon that causes a gymnast to lose their air awareness while performing her twisting elements. It caused her safety to be at risk. So she withdrew, but ended up helping her team win silver. She also later revealed she had also lost her aunt about two days before the balance beam final. So her brain was just not there. Simone got so much crap for pulling out. Commentators were just super critical, accusing her of being a quitter and selfishly depriving another athlete of the chance to compete. Because of when she withdrew, the alternate that was on the team couldn't step in to complete the team finals. Fellow gymnasts, though, backed her up and said they wished they had been strong enough to pull out when they started experiencing the same problem with the twisties in the past. So now here it is, 2023, August 5th. Simone has returned to competition at the U.S. Classic. She competed in all four events for an all-around score of 59.1, finishing exactly five points ahead of the runner-up, Leanne Wong. Biles also obtained the necessary qualification score to go to the 2023 U.S. National Championships. Now, this is key to being able to make the Olympic team, by the way. At the national championships, Biles won her eighth national all-around title right ahead of Shalise Jones and Leanne Wong. And with her eighth national title, Biles broke the record of Al Joaquin, who won seven titles on the national level, the last one in 1933. Additionally, Biles became the oldest woman to win this title at 26 years and 166 days old. Amazing, honestly. Okay, so that takes us through August. Now we're coming to September. And Biles attends the U.S. Women's Selection Camp. And despite two falls, 
She won the first day of competition with an all-around score of 55.7, automatically granting qualification to the U.S. World's team. After that, the team is assembled. They traveled to Belgium, where the U.S. women won a record seventh consecutive team title at the championships Wednesday night, the 4th of October. So let's do some math. Biles now has 30 world championship medals. 24 of them are gold. And that goes along with seven Olympic medals. This amazing showing really should guide her back onto the Olympic team. But the trials for the team won't take place until June of 2024. And then they'll travel to Paris in July. Biles is going to attend the trials and is going to be joined by, surprise, teammates Gabby Douglas and Suni Lee from the 2020 squad. Personal note. The artistic gymnastics competition is one of my favorite summer Olympic sports. My grandma and I used to watch it together all the time, and it just it makes for a very warm memory um, now that she's gone. Every time I watch it, I think about her. It's just, but I'm, I'm amazed by the grace and the power that these, these young ladies have. And to see a competitor go from, I can't really do this anymore, something's wrong, to several years later, she's gotten married, so she's kind of sort of moved on with her life. But she's back in, co- in competitive form and comes back almost out of nowhere to show it, I still got this. I'm still awesome. And for her to represent us at the Olympics, I think would be a great honor for us and for her. So I'm really looking forward to watching to see how much more Simone can do and and how she, if she can make the team. I, I have, if she can, continues to compete at this level, I have no doubt she'll make the team. But I'm looking forward to see Gabby coming back as well because she amazed me watching uh, her at the last Olympics. This is going to be an awesome Olympics for them. But I'm very proud to, to see Simone Biles come back, be as competitive as she is, just top of her form at 26 years old, Awesome, amazing job. Congratulations off to her. Let's see what else she can do between now and the Olympic trials. And now in entertainment news. Well, Britney Spears has been in the news quite a bit a lot lately from news of the conservatorship that she was released from to her pending divorce. It doesn't seem like she's lacking a lot of coverage. But this next story of hers is kind of lending a little bit of credibility to those that says she still needs help. Brittany has been doing a lot of videos on her social media showing off that she still got those dance moves from 20 years ago. But police were recently called to Spears' home. Now, Police had been called previously back in January to perform a wellness check. Her Instagram account had been deleted. She did it, and she subsequently said on social media that the move was uncalled for, calling the police was uncalled for, and noted that she had temporarily deleted the Instagram account because, well, there were too many people saying, quote, I looked like an idiot dancing and that I looked crazy, unquote. Well, to Instagram came back online and on September the 25th she shared a video that went viral to the point that the police got involved again. This time the video was of herself dancing again. She's in her kitchen. She's wearing like these really small 
white bikini bottoms and this small red top and she's holding knives for the most part the knives me personally they sound pretty real she taps them together a few times with the song sadness from enigma playing in the background just like i have now and the, the video was captioned i started playing in the kitchen with knives today don't worry they're not real knives halloween is soon well apparently either people didn't read the caption or people looked at her and took into account how haunted and how dark circled her eyes look because someone called the police for yet one more wellness check and that infuriated britney so badly that she did another knife dancing video just a few days later with the same song this time it was captioned i know i spooked everyone with the last post but these are fake knives that my team rented from hand prop shop in la these are not real knives no one needs to worry or call the police i'm trying to imitate one of my favorite performers shakira a performance i was inspired by okay what she's referencing is a very fiery performance that shakira did at the mtv video music awards and she was dancing with knives during the intro to her hit song whenever wherever Okay, so basically, long story short, people freaked out because the knives looked, they sounded real. And a lot of people still think Britney has a mental illness and should still be under the conservatorship. I think she's old enough that she should be able to handle her own affairs at this point. But I will say this. After watching both of the videos and a couple of other ones on her social media, I do understand why people have concerns about her mental health. It's the eyes, man. The way that she stares at the camera with the way her eyes are i mean i guess it could be eyeliner they just look so dark around the edges they almost look like sleep deprivation she just doesn't look all there as well so yeah i see the concern i really do britney needs support just like we all do but and if this is her way of dealing with all the challenges that she's facing well then i mean go ahead dance away just make sure they're not real nice switching gears now it has become official that the Writers Guild of America has ratified a new deal with the studios and production companies. The drama isn't over yet, though. I mean, the Screen Actors Guild is still ongoing with their strike, and I'm not seeing much progress on that one. But this little story, a little different. Back on September 11th, you guys will probably remember a little bit of this one. Drew Barrymore found herself at the center of controversy when she made the announcement that she would be bringing back her talk show series, without its writers amid, amid the strike that was ongoing at the time for the Writers Guild. However, after extensive backlash and picketing, she reversed the decision on September the 17th. She wasn't the only one that did it, though. And she said in an Instagram post that she has listened to everyone and she was extending her deepest apologies to anyone that was hurt and, of course, to our incredible team who works on the show. Now, after all this backlash that she garnered for announcing and then reversing this decision to bring back her show the writers that worked on her show have now apparently declined to return following the strike's end while the drew barrymore show has set its post-strike return for october the 16th its writers chelsea white christina kinnon and liz coe have reportedly all turned down the offer to come back and so now the production team is going to have to interview some new writers that are in compliance 
with the Writers Guild of America. Well, dang, I totally didn't see that coming. I hope that they're making the best decision for themselves, honestly. And you know, if that's if the best decision is to not go back to the Drew Barrymore production, then you know, more power to them. Uh, it looks like they're going to be hopefully moving on to a better venture for themselves. Um, I'm hoping, really hoping, that they're not doing this out of spite and out of quote revenge for the idea that drew wanted to bring back her show to take care of her people as best as she could and unfortunately those three were kind of left out because they wouldn't be able to participate in the return um i mean lisa drew ended up reversing her decision she was trying to to make as many people happy as absolutely possible and lisa she faced a lot of backlash there were a lot of people calling her out for it and so i guess the writers are going to make the best decision for themselves and i wish them the best in their future ventures but enough about that, let's go download some gaming news. Alright, a little bit of background before this next story. Epic Games acquired the game developer Mediatonic back in 2021 after its colorful battle royale Fall Guys became a multiplayer sensation early in the COVID-19 pandemic. Y'all, Fall Guys is so much ridiculous fun, and honestly, I love watching other people play it because it's just so silly. But now, uh, Epic is laying off quite a few developers at the UK-based studio as part of a massive cost-cutting measure at the Fortnite maker. The Epic CEO, Tim Sweeney's email to staff, alerted them to more than eight layoffs, which was then subsequently shared on the company's website. And he said the company would continue to invest in its games. But honestly, it's making a lot of us gamers just a little nervous. Some developers impacted by the decision immediately started sharing the news that they had been cut from the studio on their social medias. Staff in the office even apparently took the letters normally used to display the company's name and rearranged them to spell decimation. It's really honestly almost depressing how often we keep hearing these announcements. I mean, I get it. It's part of business. You sometimes have to enact not popular cost-cutting measures. Sweeney later addressed the financial difficulties that led to the layoffs. He mentioned that management only became aware of the seriousness of the situation 10 weeks ago. Sweeney also announced that Epic would be introducing a new pricing structure for Unreal Engine, making it more expensive to use, but not for game developers. Wait, what? From what I understand, that comment has not yet been clarified as to who exactly will be paying what and what exactly they'll be paying for. It comes across pretty cryptic and almost like a quick way to placate the developers who are already pretty burned about the whole Unity thing. Unity, by the way. CEO John Ricciatello is now stepping down following a major blow-up regarding price changes that the company ended up walking back, most of it anyway. His departure is being listed as a retirement, but something tells me that this retirement may not completely have been his decision. So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Pretty much like that, you know, kind of just go forth and leave because you done made people mad. He is also retiring from his role as chairman and a member of the company board of directors, and that was effective immediately. The damage done to Unity's 
reputation for some de developers. It's just, it's considered irreparable at this point. So now that Richatello is leaving, is that going to do any good towards repairing these relationships? From what I'm gathering, it, it really isn't. I, there's a lot of people that switched engines for their games after Unity had announced their decisions and their new price points. And they said, oh, we've listened to you. We're going to change it. People are not just willing to give them a chance again. And I necessarily can't blame them for that. So I, uh, I'm i going to watch this one. This one's going to be interesting. I mean, it kind of, it was a really quick turnaround of, oh, we're going to price change and now we're not going to price change and oh hey look who's leaving yeah the timing's a little suspicious but you know what i will tell you what doesn't help a relationship a lawsuit so the last of us star ashley johnson has filed a lawsuit against her ex-boyfriend brian wayne foster alleging various forms of abuse the complaint which was co-signed by six additional women arrives just months after Johnson filed a restraining order against Foster. Now, Ashley Johnson is known for many roles. She's had a really long career. She started with Growing Pains back in 1990, but most recently she's known for playing the part of Ellie in the game The Last of Us. Ashley started a relationship in 2012 with Brian Foster, but they separated back early in 2023. And then Ashley filed a restraining order against him, citing abuse and threats. The filing also alleged sexual assault, property damage, verbal abuse, as well as an attempt to extort $150,000 from Johnson, among other transgressions. Well, now she and six others have co-signed a lawsuit and they filed it against Foster, alleging even more forms of abuse. The lawsuit includes new allegations of Foster having a long track record towards predatory behavior, including sexual assault and harassment of other to critical role employees okay what's critical role critical role is an american web series in which a group of professional voice actors and celebrities will play dungeons and dragons together ashley's been a cast member since the show's inception and foster hosted a an after show for critical role up until 2021 the filed complaint goes on to allege that foster started carrying a garage and airsoft guns after breaking up with Ashley, in addition to stalking The Last of Us star by taking over her home security cameras. That's a little scary. The lawsuit aims to make said protection order that she was granted permanent, demanding an indefinite injunction, mandating that Foster never contacts Ashley or her family or even attempts to approach her. It also seeks financial compensation and punitive damages for the abuse that Foster is said to have inflicted on his victims. Ashley, who recently reprised her Last of Us role of Ellie, previously alleged that her ex-boyfriend's abusive tendencies were often fueled by substance abuse. While Foster promptly denied those allegations after being served with the restraining order back in May. Now, stateside civil cases commonly do take a couple of years to go to trial. However, the overwhelming majority of such disputes are resolved prior to trial. These abuse allegations, that's a lot of abuse allegations. And for everyone involved, I really hope that this is resolved soon. But speaking of legal issues, let's bring Ubisoft into the mix. Five, count of five, former Ubisoft executives were reportedly arrested following a year-long sexual assault and harassment investigation within the company. Dang, okay. 
As reported by the French publication Liberation, the former chief creative officer, Serge Pescoet, and former VP of editorial and creative services, Tommy Francois, both of whom left Ubisoft in the summer of 2020, following a wave of sexual misconduct allegations, were among those placed in police custody. Allegations emerged against multiple Ubisoft departments and studios back in 2020. Assassin's Creed Valhalla director Ashraf Ismail was fired from the company, and Pescoet Francois and the global head of HR Cecile Cornet all stepped down. Now, Ubisoft committed to making major changes following the allegations, and we've heard that before. A report emerged a year later, however, and said Ubisoft employees were claiming nothing had changed. Imagine my shock. CEO Yves Guillermo said Ubisoft had strengthened its anti-harassment and non-discrimination policies, and they also created new HR processes, among some other changes, but they, he recommitted to making further improvements. The case is currently being handled by the Public Prosecutor's Office in the Paris District of Bobigny. All right, now, a while back, Lord of the Rings Gollum, the game, was released. May 25th, to be exact, by Daedalic Entertainment. And if you recall, the launch was an epic disaster, just an absolute complete failure. The game was panned by the critics, players. The, the, it was so low-selling, and the reviews were just awful. I mean, it was rough to read. The game crashed a lot. The character graphics were kind of scary, to be honest, and people called the game poorly paced. Well, as a result, Daedalic Entertainment announced that we're closing our development division, and we're going to focus just solely on publishing the publishing business, really. And they ended up canceling plans for a second Lord of the Rings game. All right, May 26th, the day after release, Daedalic allegedly released an apology describing Lord of the Rings Gollum as an underwhelming experience, and they promised patches. An apology that felt rather concerningly there was a lot of incorrect spelling, like the name of the game, and it packed in a lot of empty promises. It later became clear that the apology wasn't actually written by Daedalic. It was written by their new owners, publisher Nacon, and published without Daedalic's approval. But even more weird, two anonymous sources have come forward and said that the apology was actually written by the chat GPT program and was never double-checked ahead of its publishing for any kind of errors. That's pretty lame and sounds a little slapdash and cheap. Regarding the apology made for Lord of the Rings Gollum, many gamers stated that the revelation of Nacon having used ChatGPT to generate it was really the reason why it seemed pretty non-committal and pretty disingenuous. And the biggest indicator in hindsight on how this apology was written without any oversight was literally they misspelled the game's title. They addressed it as the Lord of the Ring Gollum instead of the Lord of the Rings Gollum. Emphasis on that last S there. In hindsight, it appears the apology was really just anything but insincere. It was just a quick little, okay, we're just going to shut them up and sorry for how much we screwed up. And it left a really bad taste in the mouth of people in the gaming community. And it really has a lot of people wondering how many other statements and how many other apologies have gone through Jet chat beat gtp in recent times there have been a couple of other apologies from from publishers but this one was just probably one of the worst in like the last six months so uh, a lot of people just not happy with the idea of this ai 
chat being po- used to generate apologies and press releases and such because it just it feels dehumanizing it feels like oh they can't be bothered to actually speak to us as people they're just going to throw out uh this ai system instead and it's just not making people feel really well but the, the story about this whole apology letter has just gone viral it's everywhere um a, a german um podcast broke the news about this obviously the, the sources are anonymous they're not saying name and names uh, they are apparently two former employees of Datalik. That's all that they'll say. So they have a little bit more insider knowledge. But they said that when people found out in the studio, when they found out about this apology and when they found out how it was written and how it was generated and how it was published, uh, massive fury in the offices. They were so angry. But what were they going to do? It was their this new company that had taken over. So they weren't going to make anybody mad because they didn't want to get fired because I'm sure there were layoffs when that all happened too. So um yeah just really really kind of sad and just it just puts a really ugly cap on the whole golem thing i mean if you go go honestly just go google the images of what the game looks like the graphics of the game and i know you can't necessarily compare it to the peter jackson's golem from the movies but they are not even in the same universe they just it looks so scary it looks so cheap so i'm i'm really sorry for the datalik employees for Putting out that product, getting bashed for it, getting taken over, getting blamed for all the problems, and then getting trashed for this apology letter that ended up not even being their fault. So, oh well, moving on. Let's go ahead and let's talk a little bit uh, about movies. It's time for the box office breakdown. Well, we had a lot of new releases last week, but only one new one this past weekend. But who came out on top? Aw, sorry pups. Y'all got exercise from the number one spot this week. That's right, Exorcist Believer, which is a reboot in the legacy horror franchise, summoned up the number one spot at the domestic box office despite oh falling short of some expectations the rated r film which is from universal and blumhouse collected about 27.2 million and since the sixth exorcist movie only cost 30 million it's pretty well positioned in its theatrical run unfortunately though reviews and audience scores were pretty terrible which, by the way, 23% on Rotten Tomatoes and a C on CinemaScore, the studio might need to reconsider its strategy before the next installment opens in 2025. Universal spent a staggering $400 million back in 2021 in order to buy the rights to the property of The Exorcist, with plans to at least develop a trilogy over the next few years. So, It really needs the moviegoers to feel very invested in this series beyond just this installment to justify that massive deal. I gotta say though, the makeup job on the little girls completely creeped me out. I was a little confused as to the status of why it was considered a reboot, but I guess that kind of means they're really just trying to revive the franchise as it is. Believer is absolutely, it's a sequel to the 1973 version complete with the return of Linda Blair as Reagan and Ellen Burstyn as her mother, Chris. 
Believer was actually originally set to open on Friday the 13th, which I thought was awesome. But the studio ended up moving up its release date in order to avoid Taylor Swift's much-hyped Eras Tour concert film. Probably a good decision. And Taylor Swift just announced they're not even going to release it on the 13th. Surprise, it's getting released today. I haven't looked up what the expectation of the numbers are expected to be for this Taylor Swift concert film, but I imagine they're going to be pretty huge. So I'm going to be pretty excited to report on those numbers when they come out after this weekend. Paramount's Paw Patrol, the Mighty Movie, slid down to second place in its sophomore outing, collecting $11.7 million. I went to go see it. It's a fantastic movie, I have to say. There was plenty of enjoyment for kids and adults. Another horror thriller, Saw X, took the number three spot with $8.15 million. A pretty, you know, decent decline of 55% from its debut. And after 10 days of release, the 10th Saw movie has earned $32.5 million. This movie only cost $13 million to produce. So this is going to be pretty profitable for its backers by the end of theatrical run. It's amazing how little they actually spend to produce the Saw movies. Go figure. The Creator, which was directed by Gareth Edwards and stars John David Washington as the leader of a war between humans and AI, dropped down to fourth place with $6.1 million in the second weekend. The Blind, which is a faith-based film about Duck Dynasty star Phil Robertson, rounded out the top five with $3.5 million. Looking ahead, Taylor Swift's concert tour movie, that's the only big release that's coming out for this week, but a couple of them coming up in the next couple of weeks, such as Killers of the Flower Moon, which is the new Leo DiCaprio movie. Uh, you've got the Canterville Ghost. That one's got Hugh Laurie and Freddie Highmore in it, so I'm really looking forward to that one because Freddie Highmore is just awesome. Malibu Horror Story, and then later this month, the big one that people are watching for is going to be Five Nights at Freddy's based on the video game of the same name. That one's been hyped pretty heavily, and it looks honestly kind of terrifying, so... That one may have to wait a couple days and watch it not in the dark. Uh, so a little bit to look forward to on that one. Looking forward to reporting the numbers coming up this next week. But for now, let's just go ahead and switch over and let's take a look at a couple of odd stories that I found that were absolutely perfect. And now for something different. All right, before I get too situated into our current week's odd stories, I do have a short but really sad follow-up to a story I told y'all last week in regards to Dorothy Hoffner. Dorothy Hoffner, October 1st, she made the attempt to become the world's oldest skydiver at the age of 104. And she was she made a successful jump. It was She was on the ground. She was talking to people. It was fantastic. We're all now just waiting for the official certification, which could take several weeks up to a couple of months. But unfortunately, on October the 9th, it was announced that Dorothy had passed away in her sleep on Sunday, October the 8th. Skydive Chicago and the United States Parachute Association celebrated Dorothy in a joint statement on the 10th. An absolutely amazing woman. She was not scared to jump out of a plane at 104. I really look forward to finding her name in the Guinness Book of World Records very soon. Fly high, Miss Dorothy, and rest in peace. 
Well, I mentioned before that we're pretty deep into uh, the playoffs right now for baseball. And we, baseball fans, we can be pretty emotional. A very emotional group, to be sure. Especially when our team's not doing so great. But one Phillies fan may have tried to go just a little too far with that whole emotions thing. Wally Gator is a working emotional support alligator who is owned by Joy Henney of Jonestown, Pennsylvania. The reptile got a pretty big presence on Instagram and TikTok. Lots of pictures of him wearing sunglasses and his harness and, and with his name on it and everything. It's really cute. All right, let's go back to September the 28th. It's the end of the regular season, and Joey decides, I'm going to go take in a game, and I'm taking Wally. But despite the gator's status as an emotional support gator, complete with his harness, he just didn't meet the proper criteria to enter Citizens Bank Park. Henny spoke to the Philadelphia Inquirer last year and said Wally Gator helps him battle depression and that he likes to give hugs. Henny said, as well, the Gator has never bitten anyone. I have heard of a lot of different kinds of support animals. I remember, I want to say somebody actually tried to take a snake on a plane back in like January. Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday play. And you'll get no argument from me on that one. I've also seen people with, like, pigs, and uh, there was a peacock on, on one story I found. A small horse was even attempted on a flight. But this time, sorry, Philadelphia staff said, see you later, alligator. But that does make me wonder, what about after a while crocodile? Hmm. Got you covered, actually. The owner of a crocodile farm in Australia said mating season started a little earlier this year, thanks to the males being put into a very amorous mood by the presence of military helicopters. Look, I've heard guys kind of get excited for these powerful engines, machinery, and the like, but it's a little different. John Lever, who established the Corona Crocodile Farm in Rockhampton, Queensland back in 1981, said the bulls among his stable of about 3,000 crocodiles, that's a lot, were sent into a mating frenzy when a Chinook helicopter came in low over the farm. Now, Lever said helicopters are pretty frequently seen over the area as the Singapore Armed Forces hold bilateral military training operations in this training area called the Shoalwater Bay Training Area, and pilots use the croc farm as a marker point. Hey, hooray for being a landmark, right? He said one helicopter just came in really low to get a good look at the animals, and the result was just this flurry of reptile romance. According to Lever, he told the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, all of the big males got up, and they roared, and they bellowed at the sky, and then the helicopters left, and they made it like mad. There's something about the sonic waves that really gets them stirred up. At Charles Darwin University, a researcher by the name of Cameron Baker he specializes in crocodiles, and he said the animals might have actually mistaken the sound of the chopper for the call of a competing male. Oh, this is the chopper! Baker did go on to say that it might be producing a very low-frequency thump-thump as it hits the water, and that might just coincidentally be similar to some of the sounds that big male crocodiles produce to say, hey, my turf. We're still not sure how they use the sound and what it communicates. So that's one theory, but a professor of zoology at the University of Queensland, Craig Franklin, suggested that the helicopter's low altitude may have caused the crocodiles 
to detect a like a change in the barometric pressure similar to a thunderstorm and so that really actually often signals the start of mating season weather noise arrivals challenge we don't know for sure but whatever it was caused these crocs to go absolutely wild Well, we found out that Lil Tay isn't dead like we thought. She's producing again. Imagine that. Uh, more fights in the NFL stands, but Simone Biles is still a champion. Britney's knives are fake. She swears we had lots of gaming development layoffs, a lawsuit, bad apology, gators, and crocs. I think we covered it all. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. And I, I want to remind you that I do include the links to all of my sources in the comments. So you can see what I see and more. Also, don't forget to drop us a comment or send us an email if there's a story you want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember, stay comfy in the starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun. to the starter zone with amanda i am raven we thank you for your time and support without you we simply would not be please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on facebook and twitter at the starter zone have we missed something have something to say leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in The Starter Zone.